Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. My name is Joss Golden and I'm so happy that you're here. In this podcast series, I interview people who are passionate about parenting. We talk about many things to do with parenting and motherhood and explore the joys and challenges that we all face in our families. The aim of the podcast is to share more about aware parenting, to inspire us all on our parenting adventures, and to support us all to raise our children with more awareness, connection, and love. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Aware Parenting Stories podcast. Today, I am really delighted to have Vivian Vista on the call with me. Hi, Vivian. How are you? Hello, Jos. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. So Vivian is an aware parenting instructor originally from the Netherlands, and she now lives in Switzerland. She has a beautiful boy who is 11 years old, and she's been an aware parenting instructor now for six years. So welcome to the episode, and thanks so much for making time to come and talk to us. I'm so happy to be here, Joss. I'm still having a little bit of my laugh giggles because of our little bit of attachment play that we it in the beginning. Yeah, so Vivian and I dealt with some nervousness at the beginning of the call by being a bit silly and, and doing some attachment play, which is one of the things that we'll probably talk about later on as well, about how beautiful attachment play is for all, everyone in the family. So first of all, could you just tell us briefly a little bit about how you found Aware Parenting and what it was that really spoke to your soul when you discovered it? I became aware of Aware Parenting when Fantine was three months and I received it in my mailbox. A friend had sent her copy of The Aware Baby to me. And it was so interesting. The crying was a huge topic for me. And um, in that time, I, I wrote a lot about things when they troubled me. And his crying was one of them. So I used to write a lot about his crying because what I did just didn't seem right for me I, had, I did not feel comfortable with what i was doing because i was breastfeeding him i was jiggling him and i noticed that too that i was more the one that wanted to give him something to suck on which i probably took from my childhood and my husband was more the one that wanted to um, jiggle him like move him around so i imagine that was more the thing that he took from from his side and so I was writing lots and lots about it, about the crying. And I was also looking online, but there I only found things um, that we see a lot of, like more the attachment uh, type of parenting to give your baby the breast when it's crying. But yes, like I said, that didn't seem right to me. To me, it seemed, seemed like eating chocolate when I'm sad. Um, so at some point in my writing after probably writing hours about it, <laughs> I did have the thought coming to mind, what would I do if my friend would come now? And she would ring the door, she's, she comes in my house and she's crying, what would I do? And then I thought I would go and sit with her on the couch. I would not go to the kitchen with her and offer her milk and, and chocolate and food or do whatever to stop the crying. I would go and sit on the couch with her and I would give her space to, sh to share. And... And after that realization, exactly the next day, her book arrived. So, um, yes, I started reading it and it resonated with me straight away because of this, also because of this bit. Yeah, that she sees that as our healing mechanism, the crying. Of course, when the first needs are met, that she, that she talked about crying being a healing 
mechanism for us human beings and that our babies are still so in touch with it. So that bit resonated with me straight away. And also a lot of other uh, aspects of aware parenting, which we did already, like Fantine was sleeping in our bed already because I did not want to leave him alone because um, of my own experiences as a baby. So that was one thing we did already. And um, I, I initially wanted to breastfeed on command, which I kind of interrupted that only feeding when you're hungry by also offering the breast when um, when he would be crying. Because the interesting bit was, and I wonder if, if more people recognize this, in the very beginning when Fountain would be crying um, and I would hold the breast in front of him so that he could drink because me thinking that he is probably hungry, he would not even take the breast. He would continue crying. He would not take the breast. It is after me pursuing giving him the breast that he would finally, um, after me offering the breast for so many times, he would finally take the breast. But initially he would not, he would not take it. So I kind of love that. I love that. That's also part that I love sharing with, uh, with mothers that when their baby isn't hungry and is crying because of releasing feelings and releasing stress, they will probably initially not even go for the breast because of me insisting on it, basically, that he would take the breast. He then took the breast and, and, and that's how I gave him then this um, breast control pattern. Um, oh yeah, I'm drifting off, I notice, to come back to how I came across our parenting. This is how I came across our parenting and it resonated for me from the first moment I opened the book. It, it really spoke to me. Yeah, and in the very beginning, I also thought, ah, oh, this is what should be on the front page of the newspaper. Yeah, that it's our inbuilt healing mechanism doing its work. If all parents would at least know this intellectually, and then of course it's still a whole journey to, to be that, uh, to be able to offer that loving space. That's a, a whole journey to get there. But I, I thought if only people would know this already, that would make such a difference. Like so many people and, and me too, um, when my baby started crying, I started freaking out. I thought, like, what's happening? And I'm feeling so nervous and anxious and what to do. And I know, I think that if so many more people would know that it's such a beautiful, natural part of our being, um, yeah, things would be a lot different. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. How amazing. It's so helpful, isn't it, for us to see it from our perspective. I love how you described in your writing that you were imagining yourself being really upset and your friend coming over and what how powerful it would be to have your friend sit with you and listen to your feelings and how if she came over and instead took you into the kitchen and gave you a glass of milk and some chocolate and then like pushed you around the house moving really fast to try to distract you from your feelings, how horrible that would feel. And it's such a powerful illustration for people to, to realise that that's exactly what we're doing to our babies. Um, and it's the same when our children are older, of course, if they're, if they're crying and getting upset about something and the mainstream approach would be to punish them and send them to their room. And then if we imagine what it might be like as an adult to have really strong feelings about something and to be really upset about something and instead of receiving loving support and listening and care, somebody came in and said, right, you have to go to your room now and you've got to stay in there until you stop crying and I, won't, I will not have you crying like this anymore. 
and all of those sorts of things. But it's just so powerful to think of it that way. Mm. And I loved how you described that Valentine innately knew that he didn't take your breast when you offered it to him mm. when he was upset. He knew, and I think that's so often the case that our children are just so wise and they are so clearly connected to that innate healing mechanism. And it's our misunderstanding that gets in the way of them using it so often. And yeah, I totally agree. I wish it was on the front page of every newspaper. Mm. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So one of the things I know you're really passionate about in aware parenting is compassion and yes. offering compassion to ourselves, offering compassion to our children, offering compassion to each other. And it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because so many of us didn't receive compassion when we were children. So it can often be quite hard for us to know what does compassion feel like? What does compassion look like? What does compassion sound like? And often it's quite hard for us to receive that uh, because we're not used to it and it doesn't seem somehow real or genuine. Or So I just wonder what, what does compassion, like what does that mean to you? What do you think of when you think of, of compassion? What does it feel like? What does it look like to you? I imagine compassion as a as a warm light shining upon me. This warm light filled with unconditional love and acceptance. And acceptance exactly if I speak about myself, exactly for where I'm at with with all that is still part of me. And with this loving, gentle presence and trust that it's all fine and that's that it is in a in a bigger picture way all where it where it's supposed to be and that it's in a way perfect the way it is and also trust in if i speak about myself in myself and my journey and in my psyche and in my core being so it's like this endless love for everything for every little part of me and even the parts that I don't enjoy even the parts that I from my personality would rather not have even there the, that warm light that unconditional loving light is also warm and loving towards that part because it sees unconditional love sees to me uh, or compassion compassion sees and is present with what is with the trust in the process and that it's that it will change it's interesting now talking about compassion it's almost like it's creeping into my body so that i'm feeling so much compassion right now for myself and um, my journey but also for for you and for for everybody on this journey because it's it's difficult and especially if we look at the way that we grew up with so many learned ways of thinking so many <laughs> judgments about ourselves and the world uh, which we needed to believe in order to survive and make sense of the world around us but it's still if i look at it from a step back it's still all really painful and how we can get so lost in these stories that we make up about ourselves and about the world and compassion sees our stories and compassion also sees who we are without all these stories and it holds that image for us also in the moments that we are not able to see it ourselves. And 
it has such deep trust in us that we will be able to move through that and that we will be able to move through these stories and that we will be able to move through these feelings yeah to come to the being we are more underneath all that yeah so that's what compassion is to me presence unconditional love empathy for all that is still part of us and all that is underneath that wow that's so nice i love that description thank you what i love about well i love everything about aware parenting but one of the things i really love about aware parenting is it really recognizes this universal need that we all have all humans on the planet have for acknowledgement and kindness for understanding for being noticed for empathy mm. for unconditional love and for me anyway when i started out it was all about doing whatever i could to offer that to my children but not offering that to myself at all and increasingly i realized that i couldn't actually offer it to my children unless i also offered it to me but i always found it much easier to be unconditionally loving and compassionate to my children than i than i did to myself so it's it's really mm. taken a long time to to change that internal voice. And I, I loved how you talked about those uh, ways of thinking that we developed in our younger years and as children and babies in order to make sense of the world. And then as adults that we slowly start to, to investigate them and to unpack them a bit and to develop less harmful ways of thinking about ourselves. But it's a really, it's an ongoing process, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm I'm so passionate about supporting other moms in develop and integrating more compassion for themselves because I have been so extremely hard with myself mm. and I don't want anyone to go through that. And so I think that that's also where where my passion comes from knowing the other side as well. Mm. Yeah. And when we start going into those judgments of ourselves it creates extra shame and extra disconnection and from that space it's so hard to to parent our children the way we want to parent them and it's interesting with compassion that as well as it being about what we say to ourselves it's also very much about what we don't say to ourselves isn't it how do you practice that for yourself what are some of the ways that you practice being compassionate with yourself and you develop your skills with self-compassion the first one that comes up for me is um but this is not aware parenting, but I've, I've been practicing Vipassana for quite some years and also already a few years before becoming a mom. And, and I think Vipassana adds really beautifully to aware parenting because it is really about being present with what is. And so I think that some of my roots are there too in, in Vipassana and practicing that really hours and hours a day of being present with what is. And to me, that's also a form of empathy, being present with, with what is. And there the compassion comes into them. And the second, and as I started Aware Parenting, yeah, we've talked about this before, but um, things came to the surface. I wasn't prepared for becoming a mom. So it was kind of basically starting from scratch again <laughs> with with the practices that I've, that I've had. And there I mainly learned to be more compassionate again with myself by having other people being compassionate with me. I was so not prepared for, I did not have any compassion for myself. So I was at the bottom 
of the bottom. And so then I learned to rebuild the compassion by having my feelings listened to by, by other people. Like I came across first with Patricia Marion and their Facebook group that they had back then. And um, so there I came in touch with Patricia and Marion. And I think in the beginning I, I had session with Patricia and also sometimes with Marion. And then this was once Marion started offering her her programs i joined them too and but what was very interesting and maybe also because of being so alone in those early years of being a mom because of outer circumstances at the same time i also developed some inner practices that would also help me to be more compassionate like for example i would have inner conversations with my partner or my son and in those inner conversations i would basically talk to the essence of their being and I would be able to express what's going on for me and their essence of the being would would hold it and in this way I could express what was going on for me in a safe space and I would be held with love and care by the essence of their being but this is was all in my mind of course um, but still, it helped me enormously. And I think back then, like now, I kind of value that I was so alone because I don't think my mind would have come up with these ways of processing things if I would not have been so alone. And now this is also something I, I also love to offer other moms you know, to have these inner conversations with whomever they want to have an inner conversation with. But that was also a very therapeutic way for me to of being with my feelings which I didn't recognize then as a therapeutic way of being with my feelings it was someone else that pointed it out to me when I had the courage to share about about what I was doing so yeah someone else pointed it out to me like oh wow I actually love it sounds like a very therapeutic way of being with with these parts and feelings that come up for you in your journey it's bit by bit I integrated that more again it doesn't mean i always have compassion for myself now now i still have parts of me i don't feel so much compassion for but then i do know where to bring it to right? like i have my listening support and i know when i'm hurt with compassion and care that i can then integrate that too for these parts that i could not feel love and compassion for to start with the journey of receiving it, integrating it, receiving it in different ways, eh? whatever suits one best, whether that's by having listening support or writing or imagining uh, support with you or having you know, conversations and being received with love and care. Yeah, it's been received in that way and then we can integrate it a bit deeper. Mm. Yeah, I think it's so important for us to normalise getting support, how we all need to receive this we need to receive, we need to share, we need to have spaces where we can really authentically speak what's going on for us and what we're feeling and have that heard with loving kindness and have that seen and have that acknowledged by somebody else. And it's through then receiving that we are able to increasingly internalize that voice and, and offer it to ourselves. And I think for most of us, it's a combination of yeah, having sessions with people, having listening partnerships, writing in journals and doing our own internal processes. But all of those things together is necessary for most of us in order to, to do the work that we're constantly being called to do. Mm. 
and to to offer ourselves that that kindness that acknowledgement and that reassurance and to stop offering ourselves the judgment and the criticism and the all the guilt and shame and beating ourselves up for our shortcomings and when we get things wrong and all that kind of stuff so yeah i think it's it's so important so important yeah and i think understanding more about about it helps too to start with like the understanding that we are the way we are because of our background and of our family lineage and of of all the stuff that we carry in our backpacks and we can't change that just from one day to another like we we all have our experiences we all have our stories and i think understanding about that more or understanding that we all have lots and lots and lots and lots of inner babies and inner toddlers and inner children and inner younger parts or cultural parts eh, with, with cultural beliefs and trauma. Understanding that already, I think, helps too with becoming more compassionate for ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also that it is so natural that the more love we allow, whether that is from our inside sources or receiving it from someone listening to us and someone being present with us and someone shining their love upon us that it's so natural that new parts will come to the surface to to be heard and loved so sometimes we can come to a place that we kind of like oh yeah i'm quite i'm quite comfortable with myself at the moment i think it's quite fine huh? i feel quite <laughs> compassionate and loving and kind towards myself and then bloop. New parts come to the come to the surface. New parts come in our awareness that are like, oh, maybe she can hear us too now. Maybe she can offer us space too now, and maybe she can love us too. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes uncomfortable again for a moment because of these parts that are coming to the surface. And so I love to imagine it too. Sometimes that it's such an ongoing journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the more we see like our children expressing feelings often regularly it reminds us how many feelings that we had also would have had to share when we were children ourselves and never got to share so yeah then we can really clearly imagine all of those feelings that we support our children to release our versions of those feelings still locked up inside of Mm. us where they haven't had the chance to to receive that loving care and support and and releasing so yes there's so many parts still inside us yeah yeah and also that we all have our own journey with it eh? like some people might find it fairly easy to be with their child's tears but find it incredibly difficult to be with rage for example or find it really difficult to use attachment place so that we all have our own backpack with unhurt parts and feelings and that show up so somehow it's similar our journey but somehow they're also different because they do show up in in different places Mm. yes one of the other aspects of aware parenting is about recognizing our children's needs and meeting their needs but also recognizing our own and that's a big part of that self-compassion too isn't it that we actually make time to see that we have unmet needs and then we try to find ways to meet them and sometimes that's in really tiny little ways, but that's still significant. 
And I know that when I started parenting, I, I had no idea that I had any needs, <laughs> let alone whether they were being met or not. Um, and then, yes, gradually, as we're offering ourselves that more loving um, support and compassion and kindness, we we start to identify those a little bit. How has that process been for you? Very similar to yours, by <laughs> the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I've had any any other needs than wanting to be with my baby uh, in the very in the very beginning. I would feel nervous already when I went to the hairdresser when he was a couple of months. <laughs> I remember running back <laughs> um, because I thought I only need to be with my baby, which has then again um, other effects uh, that or that at least happened for me. I became really resentful after some time. Yeah, and but it is also still very hard, like even though you are aware of it, because of how isolated many families actually are. And that's something I'm still surprised by to hear how families don't have a lot of support, like even though they live around their own families, like we don't live around our families. So in, in our case, we didn't have support, but even if you speak to families who do live around their families, there's so little support. So even now when I'm aware of my needs, I'm also aware of not always being able to meet them in the way that I would most like to because of not having the support to do so. And there too, to then also be really kind and compassionate again with ourselves when we then use screens, for example, to get some of our needs met because of not having the in-person support around us that says okay you want to go for a walk i'll i'll play with your children in the meantime yeah i love hanging out with them and i love spending time with them or do you want to have some time on your own or do you want to do some journaling i love to hang out with with your children for a bit like we don't have that and so that's also a journey on its own i find already to then be compassionate with ourselves if we then use screens for our children to meet some of these needs for ourselves. Mm. Yeah, I'm so struck yes. by that so often how we're living so far removed from how we were evolved to live as a species. And it's really, it's really interesting when you think about the historical perspective of us having evolved for you know, mm. 200,000 years or more to live in these tribes where where we did have the support around us and of course there were additional challenges i'm not i'm not suggesting that life was easy and everything but in terms of having our needs met in terms of getting support in terms of having people to help us with our children in terms of sharing the work of life our, our needs were so much better met and that's how we were designed to live and now so many of us are living so far removed from that in our nuclear families very isolated very separate often it's you know single parents trying to look after several children it's just mm. it's not conducive really to to having our needs met at all is it makes it so hard for so many people i have such a sense of unfairness coming up then too like it's unfair it's just mm. Shouldn't be this way. Yeah. Yeah. Should come in. Um, but yeah, my heart goes out to us families that are trying to do things on our own and also in such a different and more conscious way. Yeah. And then so little support that it's really, really, really difficult. Mm. Yes. One of the other things I love about aware parenting is that 
it allows us these beautiful strategies and tools for rewinding and repairing with our children when we make mistakes, when we get things wrong, when we respond to our children from a place of deep hurt and feeling ourselves and end up being harsh with them, which we all inevitably do sometimes, especially because we don't have the support that we need. I find that really helpful for self-compassion too, that forgiving ourselves and, and that knowing that we're still worthy and we're still good and we're still, you know, we're still doing our best even when we mess up. Do you have anything you want to share about that? Yeah, I think what I what comes up for me about that is to the importance of also to allow yourself to take time then. Because that's what I've seen in the past when Phantom was younger. I wanted to rush in and repair it. And even though I would still have feelings about it. So now these days I would to to first take some time for yourself and to first be held by someone else by by reaching out to a listening partner or uh, support to be held in love first in what was going on for us and um, or with our inner support. Because in, in my experience, the repairing goes way better when I come from a place of yeah having also more understanding for myself. And so when I move in then with some kind of, usually with us, it's play, the repairing, or sometimes I go to him and I also say like, I can't remember what I exactly say, but just acknowledging it that it was, that it, that it, that it was not so nice for him. Or acknowledging that I, yeah, acted in ways that were not so pleasant. Mm. So I think when Phantom was younger, I would still have the drama in it sometimes. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I try to avoid that a little bit. I try to avoid going in when I still have a lot of feelings about it. And to to move in when, yeah, when I'm a bit more clear myself too. And can hold it more. And then, yeah, like I said, usually with attachment play or acknowledging how it was for him. I love attachment play in those moments. Mm. Yeah, me too. It's so nice to to get laughter going and then everybody feels that beautiful reconnection again and takes the seriousness out of the moment. And that also really helps with us in terms of being compassionate with ourselves, of having behaved in ways that we don't really want to. But it's so important to take a moment for ourselves to, like you say, reach out for support if from whoever we can reach out to when we're having these moments and to make sure that we've tended to ourselves first and then we can move in with attachment play or or with words or a combination of those things. And, and I think it's really important as well. It shows our children that we that imperfection is allowed to, you know, so that we don't model to them that they have to be perfect all the time in order to be lovable if we're able to love ourselves when we've been imperfect too. It's it's a beautiful way of, of supporting them in that way, I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm having a smile on my face whilst I'm listening to you because then I have some memories coming up. And I even notice, like with with Fanta, when I come too soon, like when I'm not ready yet with my own processing about it, he he will send me away. He will he he wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. Basically, it's almost like he's then not with those words, but saying like, "No, you're not ready yet. Come back later." And when I usually have come to the point of, "I am okay." Yes, that's what happened and um, shit happens and I continue again and it's part of human being and and then it's the whole energy is different. So then something very little can do the trick already. Just maybe pretending you're still in that space. For example, if I have been 
lashing out with my partner and he and he gets a bit of that and then i go uh, when i'm then done with listening to my feelings and i would go up and i would pretend still being in that space and kind of still lashing out but feeling connected and, and love ahead he would then join in there and and so we would kind of play it out directly what what happened in a way but sometimes also not sometimes i can't straight away sometimes i need some time too sometimes i need and then i acknowledge it and say like okay that was not so ideal and then we may play about it a day later or a couple of days a couple of days later or he yeah. might initiate it he might show in his way of doing and talking i'm not quite done with that yet <laughs> so yeah that reminds me of how marion calls some things in our parenting that is such a dance and that it's also never the same it's like not a pre-scheduled something of okay when this happened i do this and this and this and that no it, it's different every time mm. yeah just bringing our awareness to what we need in that yeah. moment and what our child needs in that moment and yeah i love you saying how he, if you go and try and rewind too soon he's aware of that and he's not ready <laughs> come back later mum, when you're ready to <laughs> Yeah, that's beautiful. What about yeah our control patterns and having compassion for our control patterns? That's something we were talking about yesterday in our natural learning and aware parenting community, which is so we had such a beautiful conversation about that. How has that changed for you? That process of your dialogue for yourself around control patterns for you and your son. That changed heaps, <clears throat> and and in the beginning I would hate them. Um, I didn't want to have them anymore. I needed to get rid of them as soon as possible and uh, judging myself, bringing myself down because of having them, um, shaming myself, uh, all these all these current ways of being with ourselves. But gradually I've really come to appreciate our control patterns hugely. Yeah. Yeah. Now I see we wouldn't even be alive without them. We wouldn't. Be able to survive without our control patterns yet that's just not where we are in our journey in our evolving as uh, as human beings so i think it's um it's also a process and an evolving process and that we are part of that evolution on this planet right now but that we are part of it so there will come people after us who will continue doing this and who will continue carrying this awareness around it and do their continue the healing. So yeah, I, I really appreciate my control patterns. And of course, sometimes I still have my feelings about it. It's not that that I don't have feelings about it anymore. I sometimes still feel sad when I see my son engaged in a control pattern and I don't have it in me at that moment to engage with him. Um, so these moments are still there too. And I really appreciate them. I just have such a touching memory coming to my mind. And is it all right if I share that? Yeah, I'd love you to. I've I've personally been through a really hard time this winter. And I remember going through an emotionally really hard time. And then I was sick too. We had COVID as well this winter. So I was having physical pain as well. And a big, huge emotional pain. I've been lying with it for for quite some hours like feeling into my body feeling what's present and being uh, present with it in the best way i can and then i was so tired and i i went i went to bed and but it was still so present and i remembered that i sucked my thumb as a as a child 
And I thought, I can try that again. And I literally took my thumb and started sucking on my thumb and it worked. And, and I felt such huge appreciation for my thumb at that moment and such love for my thumb. What a huge friend that mm-hmm. has been for me in, in my life whilst growing up. And that moment, I feel so touched when I think back of that moment is that was really pivotal for me, that moment mm-hmm. of having such appreciation towards my thumb in this, in this situation and such it was such a eye opener for me to see how important my thumb has been for me in my life whilst growing up. So yes, there was really, really beautiful. And I was happy that it did the trick at that moment that it indeed indeed dis- dissociated a little bit for yeah. my for my physical sensations by by sucking on my thumb. So I was happy that it did the trick. Because yeah. nothing else did the trick. Like I could watch something. No, I couldn't even watch something on YouTube because my head was exploding. And um, so I couldn't do any of the other things <laughs> to give myself some relief. So um, I used my thumb. That's so yeah. beautiful. I think I mean, so often when we are engaging in our control patterns or our children are, it's so easy to go into that judgment and criticism of ourselves. And instead, that if we can see these patterns as as the incredibly beautiful protective systems that we have so wisely chosen in order to keep ourselves safe. It's such a different perspective. And from that place, it's so much easier to choose whether we're going to engage in them or not and to, to let them go and to listen to feelings that are underneath. So much easier than if we go in with this harsh judgment of control patterns being a bad thing and we want to get rid of them and it's a we failed as a parent if our children have any and and all of those really unhelpful ways of thinking. And your story really resonated for me because I sucked my thumb as a child as well for, for many, many, many years. And it absolutely kept me safe through some really difficult moments. So yes, it's a very different perspective and it's so much more helpful when we can think in that way. And then, and then again, I don't always find it easy either. Like sometimes I'm aware that I, um, what I shared yesterday, I sometimes just love it to eat something crunchy and and watch something on YouTube. And I know that's not the most nourishing thing to do for me then at that moment, but I sometimes just so love it and to not be with the feelings. And I do sometimes still have sad feelings coming up then because I know what it's like to be so alone with with your feelings or I feel a little bit sad of leaving these parts that could use a listening ear and some space to leave them alone then but um but yesterday I, I imagined you then being there with them <laughs> you and Marion <laughs> I thought ah, oh, when I can be with them I can just imagine someone else being with them and then I felt a bit more relieved yeah mm, that's beautiful that's so lovely wow so nice so how can people find out more about you, Vivian? What do you offer these days and where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook. Put I'll put the details in the show description. They can find me on Facebook just by my name, Vivian Feaster. And I'm about to create a Facebook page, but I haven't done it yet. But I might do that in the coming days. Um, I started Instagram again and there... It's still Vivian Feaster for now, but I might add a web parenting instructor to it. Yeah, so that's where where people can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the moment. 
And I know and, that you're in the process of starting a beautiful new offering. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? What's that going to be? Yes, I'm actually, I'd love to release later today. And that's um, a program called Inclusivity, and which is all about including more of ourselves, right? including more of our feelings, including more of our needs, including our control patterns, including our parts, including more of us, all that wants to be. All that comes up in the, our time together that loves to be included will be included. And um, so it's not so much about the theory about aware parenting, but it does contain aspects of being an aware parent, of um, self-care and getting emotional support, getting listener support, healing your own trauma. That sounds beautiful. Will you advertise that on Facebook? Yes, I'll right. be advertising yeah. on Facebook and Instagram. I will share it there too. Great. And then I'm, it's, this project still takes some time. I'm working on a program, um, which I'm going to call Aware Parenting with Self-Compassion. So there we probably go into all of what we talked about today. Beautiful. Yeah. That sounds gorgeous. And Thank you. I'm about to share recordings as well, like conversations. I'm about to share... No, I'm about to record conversations with other aware parenting instructors all about aware parenting with self-compassion. Beautiful. Great. Well, I'll put all those notes in the in the show description. Thank you. And the last thing I always ask people is if there was something that you would like to tell younger mum Vivian, if you wish you'd known right at the beginning or that you might share with somebody who's just new to aware parenting a nugget of gold that you would have loved to know back then yeah the first thing that comes up for me is try to not do this on your own yeah so to get support try not to do this on your own and i think we think that's such a internalized belief that we have eh, that we have to do it all on our own which i can understand if we look at our culture and, and the way that we are raised in this culture but yeah so that would be my nugget of gold how you said it don't try to do this on your own Beautiful. Yes. Yes. We can't do it on our own. We need help. No. Yeah. How gorgeous. Well, thank you so much, Vivian, for making time to come on and be interviewed today. I love that conversation all about compassion, compassion for ourselves and compassion for our children. And I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you, Joss, for having this conversation. Thank you for joining me on Aware Parenting Stories. I hope you enjoyed this episode. To find out more, please visit my website, www.awareparenting.com.au and follow me on social media at Aware Parenting with Joss. I wish you much connection and love on your parenting adventures. Mm-hmm.